Yo, Brett, I was uh, thinking after work we could hit the in and out. Whoa, whoa, what the, what the hell are you eating? What do you mean? Are those uh, are those refried beans? What what are those little green specks? No, man, this is all part of that Hakuna Matata thing I've been trying out. It's uh, it's a kombucha infused grubs with uh, some seaweed seasoning. Hakuna what? What the fuck? Like, do you ever think about the purpose of the shop, man? Like, where's the Hollywood chop shop in the whole circle of life? I, uh, we, we fix cars, allegedly, and, and we talk about movies. I, I mean, true, but we, we don't create the cars or produce the movies. Uh, yeah, but I, mean, I think there's still some value. I in. hate to spring this on you last minute, but I'm going to take a couple weeks off. I booked an Australian walkabout for the next month. I'm just gonna kind of find my zen, dude. Brett, br- uh, have you have you met somebody? Is uh, is there an octopus or something I should know about? All right, man. I'm gonna head out for the day. There's some leftover kombucha grubs in the fridge. If you want some, it's all yours. I, uh, oh, my man. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna be able to do that. But I tell you what. What we can do is review 1994's The Lion King. But we're reviewing 2011, 19's The Lion King. Wait, isn't that... When when was the Broadway thing? I thought that was 94. <laughs> In an almost scene-for-scene scene remake of Disney's classic The Lion King, Mufasa's rule over the Pride Lands is challenged by his brother Scar, feeling entitled to the throne. Nope, already fucked it up. The throne. What's a throne, Travis? Can you tell me that? Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. <laughs> Which Lion King are we really reviewing? The new one. You didn't watch the cartoon, did you? Wait, are you being serious? Yeah, we we said that we were gonna review the new one. I thought we were reviewing the cartoon. <laughs> That's why I made that joke. I thought you were joking with the 2019 thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be a very interesting. I don't know what we do here. Uh, I I think we I think we go for it, and we have. Uh, the dumbest podcast in the history of the world. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we're gonna have a real fucking fun, interesting conversation here. Then. All right. Well, I mean, if you're if you're saying it's shot for shot, Brett. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I guess. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> In an almost scene-for-scene remake of Disney's classic Lion King, Mufasa's rule of the Pride Lands is challenged by his brother Scar. Feeling entitled to the throne, Scar puts a plan in motion to murder the king and his son, Simba. During the attempted coup, Simba is exiled to a faraway land where he meets new friends and finds a new philosophy on life far from the pressures of being king. As fate would have it, Simba's past catches up to him and he's forced to decide if he'll continue to follow his carefree lifestyle or follow his father's footsteps and return the bloodline to the throne. 
Will Simba re-inject Soul into this barren wasteland in this real CGI retelling of the animated original? Or is the kingdom doomed to suffer the consequences of a terrible plot against a proud legacy? Find out in today's review of The Lion Kings. So, uh, <laughs> apparently we review or watch different movies this week. Um, so this, this week's review is going to be you know, kind of I interesting. I will say now, it, it does refresh my memory, Brett, now that you say it, that you were like, hey, it'll be interesting to talk about animation in a supposedly 100% quote-unquote live-action movie. Um, unfortunately, I did not uh, listen uh, well enough and watch the actual 1994 animated <laughs> version, which in your uh, your synopsis, you said that they were very similar, so I guess uh, we can we can compare notes on that front. Um, yeah, so what did you think of the 1994 movie, Travis? Um... I, I hated every single second of it. I, um, which I, I think I can say that maybe this would inform how I would feel about the movie that I was supposed to watch if I watched it, which is uh, nostalgia only trades uh, so far. It only gets you so far. Uh, all of the charm, because I remember 1994's The Lion King, the one that I watched, being like on my Mount Rushmore of animated movies and Watching it this time, I could barely get through it. Um, so I, I'm wondering what a an updated version of that is with more quote-unquote prestige and Disney money behind it, and hopefully you can tell me. Uh, well, I will go ahead and say this, Travis. I have not watched the animated one in a little while, um, but if it is, from what I remember, it is a scene for, almost a scene-for-scene scene remake. Like, you, I would love to see a like them put it side by side the only difference is somehow the 2019 version of it is 30 minutes longer um but i don't know where they crammed that 30 minutes in i think it honestly might be like 15 minutes of b-roll and then an extra 15 minutes of end credits because of the number of people that would have that had to work on this movie because of it being so cgi um i will say this I remember fondly liking The Lion King. Like you said, it, it's one of those kind of, uh, at, at the time, groundbreaking kind of storytelling. Um, and then even then the animation, like I know that there's a, a documentary that where they kind of talk about like the the scene where Mufasa is killed, the way that they added the kind of dust and the sand and all that in that valley was very revolutionary at the time to create that atmosphere in that scene. I will tell you this, if you watch the remake, all of that atmosphere has been completely ripped out and is gone. Um, what it did what it did get me to do is I realized how shitty the dialogue of this movie is because when you don't have the charm um, of the animation and the style of the characters to kind of carry it, you really focus on what they're saying and it's fucking dog shit. <laughs> so um, we can probably start talking about that because I don't know how much you listen to the to the dialogue, but I just at a at a you know thousand foot view of this thing, basically, Anything that you would have enjoyed about the animation and the characters and the you know them them being unique is completely ripped out because they decide to somewhat go realistic with as as realistic as they decide to take it with the movie with this is a suspension of disbelief before like it's it just it's terrible it's fucking awful you know it's I don't know if we've had well, a, a movie yet that I just 
absolutely loathe, but this is the first one where I was like, this is just terrible and shouldn't be watched. Well, I did notice even in the animated version, uh, the music does a lot of the legwork in terms mm-hmm. of the emotions that it, it's trying to make you feel. I mean, there's a reason that like, uh, like, can you feel the love tonight? Like that's iconic. Um, All that's yeah, gone because I, in the remake. <laughs> they don't use that song or just the emotionality of the songs. So in the remake, Disney is on this new kick, which I think it started the first time I noticed it. So I have, you know, a a young daughter. So I've I've had to watch a lot of Disney, like the modern Disney classics and shit like that, like Frozen stuff like that. And the first time I noticed it was Frozen, where they actually decided that they were going to have the the actress or actor who plays the character be the like um, singing talent as well with Kristen Bell. Um, So in the remake... Um, all of the, all the singing is done by the actors and actresses, which is fine with like Donald Glover and Beyonce. No one else in the movie is like, uh, musically gifted. Um, I think there's one story where, uh, I guess Pharrell was one of the, the singing coaches for this and Pharrell Williams was supposed to work with, um, oh God, but Seth Rogen plays Pumbaa in the remake and apparently... (laughs) His comment was that uh, Seth Rogen could not carry a fucking tune if it like just he was terrible, like just Seth Rogen trying to sing was awful. But again, they tried to shoehorn it, I assume, to save money because now you don't have to hire someone to sing the song. But it's yeah, it's all of the all of the song numbers are terrible. They do shoehorn in a Beyonce song because, I mean, if you're going to get Beyonce to be Nala, you have to throw in a Beyonce song. that's not in the original movie gotta please the uh the bay hive um so i mean like give give me fan base brett by the way yeah give give me give me why you hated this movie because i think i'd love to hear what you say about the original having not seen it in a while and i'll see what i can build off of and what they do with it in the the new one well do you just want the surface level reason i hate it or the what is this movie trying to say reason i hate it Let's because if you want to just go with the higher, just more general, broad view, I don't find um, Simba to be likable as a child at all. In fact, he gets on my nerves for the duration of the time that he's a small child. Now, maybe that's because I don't have a great tolerance for uh, children of this age. Um, I guess he's supposed to probably be like, I don't know, 10 or 11 in this movie give or take is if he in cat years kid. yeah mm, in cat years yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah i just think he's just a very unlikable presence and like i'm not necessarily rooting for him and but on the other hand i'm not rooting for scar either so it's like um mufasa is really the only character i like in the movie and of course when he dies it's at least in the original the 94 it's a very powerful scene but that presence that James Earl Jones brings also dies with Mufasa. And I think the movie suffers for it. So the interesting thing is, is they did bring uh, James Earl Jones back to play Mufasa, which I thought was a, a small or not a small, a smart move on Fav- yeah, John. John Favre is the director and I love John Favre, but the new Lion King is dog shit. Like it's, I want, you need to watch it when we, for the wrap up and we can, we can kind of, we'll probably talk a lot more about it during the wrap up. Um, but you do need to watch it, but, um, it's the, 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 the same problem persists though. Only 
Mufasa's death feels way less emotional in the remake because the lighting like in the in the animated classic because i actually <laughs> i was watching the movie and i was youtubing the same scenes to watch it animated at the same time i was watching it in in the real cgi version of it because i was trying to like is this the way i remember the scene being in the animated version and like it is it's a bright canyon it's very lit like it's very bright um there's the dust is not as prevalent in it so like there's no emo like the scenes are not shot emotionally in the redesign because it is they literally tried to make the animals as realistic as humanly possible sans the fact that they still won't put testicles on a male lion or anything male but um <laughs> outside of that like it's like they went for this hyper realism and like it rips all of the character out of these animated characters like my problem is like, and and I, I was bitching about this with with my wife, because I was like, oh my god, like you know this is this is terrible. Like I didn't realize how bad the dialogue in this movie was until I'm allowed to focus on it because there's nothing visually to keep me entertained, to keep me like motivated. But it winds up being one of these things where it's just like every everything has an animal face. They all look the fucking same. So like if you're if you're trying to say like well it's a kids movie that's why the dialogue's probably not as as strong. It's like then why did they make everything look so realistic? Like I can't imagine a kid watches this movie and can tell who the fucking characters are because everyone looks exactly the same. Which I I think that what Disney banked on is just pure nostalgia that, that there would be adults of a certain age that enjoyed this movie when it came out. And then they're bringing their kids who will enjoy it. And you're trying to kind of have your cake and eat it too. You're trying to quote unquote, do this groundbreaking, uh, technologically advanced approach to cinema uh, while just trading on an IP that is massive for the sweet spot demographic of, you know, people in their 30s. Um, so, but yeah, like in the animated version, like it, it's odd because all of the female lines are a much paler, less vibrant color. And I mean, you can you can read into that how you will, but it's easy to differentiate the characters. I can't imagine trying to do photorealistic lions and have four or five of them and try to tell them apart. Yeah. And it just, it doesn't carry. Then additionally with that, like they wind up making like Rafiki winds up being photorealistic for the baboon, which then it's like, it's even the opening scene where like he holds Simba over pride rock. Like, that isn't as impactful because in the animated one, like he's kind of like hanging out there. Like there, it's this nice dynamic scene of him kind of like hanging off the ledge of Pride Rock and extending Simba over it for all of the animals to, you know, to see and to, and to praise. In the live action one, again, because they went for hyper-realism, Rafiki walks up to the end of Pride Walk, Rock, sits on his ass, and then basically just kind of holds Simba up over his head. So even him holding Simba doesn't feel as impactful because, again, they went for this this crazy hyper-realism with, with the movie. And like I said, it's just, it shows... I What I have said about watching the two is I really feel like there should be a college course or just, you know, even online course or whatever you want to do where you spend almost an entire semester or several, you know, classes just examining the importance of creative direction because if you want to look at the original lion king and the cgi remake it is insane how much of a difference it makes the creative direction of the movie because 
you're saying that you already hated the animated one. I would love to hear what you say about the CGI remake because it is, like I said, leaps and bounds worse. Well, if you're telling me that the only difference is that the new one is longer, I, I cannot imagine sitting through that because watching the animated one, you know, before we recorded, I was just like, this is the longest hour and 20 minutes that I think I've ever experienced. Um, so if you're taking away all of the charm and then trying to make some sort of uh, gritty realism is not the right uh, adjectives, but like they're trying to, Hey, there's no need to make it photorealistic. I just don't understand what this is other than a cash grab. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a it's a fucking cash grab. And of all of the movies that you've decided, like, I don't know if Disney was like afraid they weren't going to hit their numbers one year, and they went to the investors, and I'm like, so they went with one of their most beloved classics, and they decided, okay, this is the next one we're going to make real. And I'm like, no, it should have been very quick with the test footage that this wasn't going to work. Which I will I will tell you this. The CGI remake, the one thing I can say that is fantastic about it is, holy shit, is the, is the graphics amazing? The CGI is fantastic. There is only one real scene in the entire fucking movie. The rest of the movie is literally completely fabricated. In fact, John Favre, I guess they made some kind of virtual reality rig for him so that when he was directing the movie, he could actually go into it as if he were directing in like a, a you know, a real space. But the entire movie is 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 fake. Like the literal entire movie is is fake. So it's like again when you do this, like it's the re it's the live action version of the animated movie, and it's like, but it's not. It's the animated version of the animated movie. <laughs> like it's just it makes no sense to me that you would even call it that. But um, it is. They tried to add an, an additional like they try to give more context to the hyenas and the in the new one and by more context i mean that's probably the additional 30 minutes it's an extra minute and a half out of that new 30 minutes where the the hyenas now have a, a a real leader like a queen of the hyenas and like the elephant graveyard is part of like their domain and their kingdom which like and i'll get into it in chop shop but i'm like i think that would have been more interesting if you were going to do like one of these remakes because disney's been doing this live action bullshit for a while and like they try to build on the story in the universe that already exists, but like the Lion King to me was the one where they, they fucked it up the most. Um, I mean, I just, I have, aside from the CGI, I have, I have nothing positive to say about this. Like here, here's a great example, Travis, right? The, I cannot wait to be King. Like that whole piece, very colorful. The music is fantastic. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I, I'll hold, I'll let you have your opinion on it. But like, I think the music is very like uh, fun. Like, it's one of those things. Like when I think of Disney music, that's definitely one of the the songs that comes to mind. And then, like, even just that entire kind of like, I guess you could say, scene or music video, where like they're going through and all of the bright colors and the and the traditional African patterns and stuff like that. Like, it is it is an awesome awesome scene to me like that is a highlight of the animated movie um they don't do that at all in the new one it is literally it is it is them running around the watering hole with no additional nothing it is literally just watching like a nature documentary of, of animals running around a watering hole while the music plays in the background because again they're going hyper realism so there's there's no creative addition to the movie at all yeah you know i i to me, one of the reasons I enjoyed the 1994 one, and as a kid, I loved it. Now, I 
you know, I've made my, my feelings clear early, but I could still appreciate the vibrant colors, as you mentioned, just throughout the film, you know, a representation of Africa, even though I think in the, the 1994 version, there's maybe like two uh, black actors, voice actors, uh, but it's still like a good representation of Africa. And uh, I feel like the remake is is maybe trying to go with that with the casting and the culture but i'm like the black panther came out what uh 2 years before the lion king remake uh, i feel my. like it 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 checked it was more of a spiritual sequel to the 1994 lion king than i feel like just let's make them photorealistic lions could pay respect to that movie mm. you know yeah black panther like I, it, sorry no, go ahead. When did Black Panther come 2018, out? 2018. So it came out a year before the remake. So yeah, like all the all the positive things that I would say about Lion King 1994, uh, it's captured much more by Black Panther than it is any sort of just National Geographic photorealistic representation of the same movie. And and here's my problem, Travis. And and you know you, I'm glad you brought up the the casting and all that. So a big deal with the remake was the fact that they were actually going to cast, you know, black actors to play this because it's supposed to be set in Africa and all that, right? I do right. not understand why they fucking pulled their punch though, because like then make it an, an an entire black cast because they cast Seth Rogen as Pumbaa, the warthog, John Oliver as Zazu. Um, Billy Eichner as Timon, and then Amy Sedaris as Guinean Fowl, who I honestly don't even know who the fuck that character was in this movie. No, that name does not sound familiar to me, at least based on, on the original. It might have been an additional character they added in, again, the 30 additional minutes that they put in here, but I'm like, but here's my problem, like, why put in four fucking token white people? Like, especially if it's completely voiceover. Like, even if Disney's worried about it, like, I hate to bring this shit up, but I'm like, those things are like, well, we have to have some some kind of white cast member. Otherwise, we, you know, we might not, you know, it, it'll be construed as a black movie and we won't be able to get white audiences in here. But I'm like, A, it's a fucking Lion King. It's a story that's already been told. All right. So it's like, you're already going to get the people into the audience. And not only that, no one sees that it's voices it's completely voices so i'm like why not commit why not commit and have every single one of the actors and actresses be black to me they should have gone all in on it as opposed to like john oliver being zazu makes no sense when they do the whole thing about they cast all these black actors and actresses to because to, you know to add some authenticity to, to the story and like that's another one of those things where i'm just like i don't i don't understand so much of this movie just makes no fucking sense you know i i don't get it well as as someone who has not seen the movie and was supposed to watch it um what i assume is is that for the most part the characters that are represented by black actors are the lions for the most part is that is that true of the new movie the lions the hyenas everything basically the 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 roles given to the white actors are the warthog it's timon and pumbaa who are in that i guess like adjacent land who's not actually part of pride land then john oliver who is the king's advisor who i'm like you could have definitely gotten a very cool black actor to have even our actor or actress to do the voice of of the king's advisor that wouldn't have been john oliver um and then again, Amy Sedaris as Gideon Fowl is, I think, a character that was completely made up for this movie. But I'm like, 
none of those characters needed like they don't and even uh, to me i would say the the staying power of those names don't mean anything to bring people into this like no one went and saw this movie because john oliver was there to me this was a oh with all three of those characters like oh they kind of like it's the modern version of whoever that actor was like you know it again i just it makes it makes no sense to me why why they went in that direction why not just make it an all black i would have it would have been pretty cool if they had just done a all black cast well it it, at least to me the seth rogan casting makes some sense because um watching the 1994 animated version it's the the stoner slash hippie vibes on Timon and Pumbaa are pretty strong, so I can see why you would cast Seth Rogen in that role. Um, but yeah, I, I don't. Ultimately, why is a bird, you know, of British descent around people that don't share that accent at all? I mean, I know again, you're you're talking about a children's movie, so why are you attributing any sort of real world logic? But it, it's just bizarre to me. Mm-hmm. Um, a quick question: Who who plays uh, Scar in the 2019 version? Oh, I am going to butcher this dude's name. Um, oh, it's Ch- yep. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Ch- I apologize to our audience, Chweddle. I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I have no. I I couldn't even pretend to pronounce that properly. Well, I, I I love him. I think he's a great. Oh, actor. he's fantastic! Uh, first introduced to me via four brothers. He is Victor Sweet. Um, you killed my mother and my brother. Don't thank me. Thank Victor Sweet. But um, is he? Because one thing I noticed about watching the 1994 version is how how is Scar just hanging out around the family, the extended family. And nobody thinks he's kind of a little bit suspect and might be planning something or is a bit shady because he he makes no effort to hide his disdain at any point. Uh, I don't know in the movie if it plays it beat for beat to the 94 version, but like he literally skips out on Simba being held up above on Pride Rock and all of that. Um, do they at least try to make it a little more believable no. that people wouldn't realize that Scar is just clearly gonna try to kill the king no um his portrayal um he's he's portrayed a little bit more like he's a frustrated lion um and like again jaded he he portrays the kind of entitled jadedness a, a lot better than the original actor um but i would still he doesn't jeremy come irons. yeah jeremy irons, he doesn't come off as sinister as jeremy irons though um which you know i know it's a cartoon but jeremy irons i mean it's cartoonishly villain, you know, but it's again, you're saying it's a kid's movie. So like, it makes very much sense. He's scar, you know, he's got the, the black mane. He's very like the way he's drawn is very sharp, you know, uh, he's got kind of like the diabolical, like the green eyes are very different. And like the way that they jet out on his character, like his whole character is, is a menacing character. Whereas in the remake, he is just scrawny and he has, a scar over his eye which is not particularly easy to see because you know they're all the color of fucking sand in this movie 
Um, but yeah, they just essentially they make him look scrawny. Then he makes a comment, you know, about how Mufasa is clearly like the brute of the family. And therefore, that's the reason he got to be king was because he, you know, in a in a, a battle or a fisticuffs, you know, Mufasa would always win. But Scar is so much smarter, you know, even though he really isn't. Because all of his yeah. plans fuck up throughout the entire like all of Scar's plans are half-baked and they come out about half half as good as they should well i know it's going to be difficult to compare notes uh because we didn't watch the same movie uh because of uh, me deciding to watch the 1994 version but one thing i it stood out to me is right after mufasa is dead and scar is basically convincing simba to run away like hey it's your fault you know, everybody's going to, they're all going to laugh at you kind of shit. Um, if he had just killed Simba right there, his his plan, it, it works perfectly. There There is no chance that this will come back to bite him in the ass the way that it does. Is that changed at all in the 2019 version? No, no, they still, he still gets pursued by the hyenas and he escapes. Because when I when I was watching, he could have killed him, and I'm like, I'm literally saying aloud, like, well, if he just killed him right here, his problems would be solved. And he lets Simba get about a hundred yards away, and then sends the hyenas after them. And again, I know it's a kids movie; we shouldn't be really uh, parsing the the villain's tactics. But I'm like, if you don't have a problem with him being murdered just do it yourself and again I, I make these complaints and i realize that there would be no movie if that occurred but but to me you have to change something if i'm going to respect scar as a villain but here's the thing here's how you fix that again i understand it's a children's movie that doesn't mean that we can't make it a little bit more complex if scar's ultimate plan was then to have the hyenas kill simba so that he could then blame the hyenas and go to war with the hyenas, that would have been an excellent thing. Like, oh, Scar is playing like 4D chess right now. Like, not only is he going to kill the the established bloodline and become the rightful heir and take over, but basically the group that he is enlisted to help him take out his his task, he's also going to turn the entire Pride Lands against them and and basically go to war with them as as the leader of the lions because they murdered Simba in Mufasa. Not what happens. I mean, Brett, it almost sounds like Scar is going to go ahead and put the hyenas in a jet airliner and crash them into a building <laughs> and then start a whole ass. I mean, some might say, I wouldn't say that, but <laughs> you, you could read it that way. Um, but yes, you know, at, at the, <laughs> at the end of the day, I, I loathed this movie, and I know going back, I think it's one of those, if I went back and watched the animated one, um, which I might do so that we can talk about that in the wrap-up, I uh, it's definitely a movie that is set-piece to set-piece to me. Like, there's not a, a really decent flow, and I don't know if it's because they the amount of time that they are trying to cover, because it's Simba is born, Simba is an adolescent, Simba then runs away and becomes a young adult. Then Simba has to come back. And it's like, there's a long span of time that is going over. So you don't ever, like, Simba's, you don't actually see Simba develop. You have to assume that he developed as a character. You know? Yes, and, and that's very much true about the animated version because it's, the, the movie even calls out, like, you know, how much he's changed, how much he's grown. And I'm like... 
the only growth we see is literally in a montage. I don't know in the new movie, do, do they do that the same way where we just, it's a music, uh, it's a sing-along, and then all of a sudden he's a teenage lion and then he's a full-grown lion? Yep. Yeah, wow. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, that's that's the other thing I felt about this movie. It's like, I, I get the gravitas off of James Earl Jones, but, and, and there go, therefore I get the gravitas off of Mufasa, but Simba is simply a, he's a legacy kid. He's a kid born on third base. I never believe him as any sort of hero. He just is the son of Mufasa. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think both versions of the movie, that's why the message for me is kind of weird if you're a kid. is Basically, this movie's like, hey, if you're not born as royalty, you don't really matter. Like, everything that is important to Simba is just his legacy because he's the son of his father, who is a king. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I, I don't know. Like, I, I was wondering if they would try to do any sort of update to that in the new movie. Nope. Um, in nope. fact again one of these weird scenes of you know the the suspension of disbelief so the scene where Simba goes through all of the bramble basically chasing Rafiki to uh you know to realize that you know his father's within him the whole time blah 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 so in the the remake Rafiki still touches the water all right and basically the reflection of Simba turns into the reflection of Mufasa and he has the whole line about like you know he's inside you the whole time Again, we can do that in the movie. Right after that, where Mufasa appears in the clouds, <laughs> they decide that's too far, though. They don't recreate the Mufasa in the clouds scene. Instead, it is just a storm and lightning flashes, and occasionally the lightning will kind of look like the outline of a lion might be in there. But I'm like, why is that where you draw the line? Like Again, that's a cool, powerful scene where his father is like talking to him from the grave, and I'm like, no, we're just gonna, we're gonna continue with this whole just, we're gonna do voiceover for everything. It's just a voiceover movie. That's it, you know? It's just yeah, bizarre. Yeah, as, as jaded and as cynical as I am about this movie, uh, I mean, the 1994 version, even watching it today, that moment still kind of gave me goosebumps. Uh, you know, Mufasa appearing in the sky. So it's weird that, again, it's a bunch of photorealistic talking animals. But yeah, we can't we can't stretch it too far to show that maybe he's a figure in the stars. It's it's a movie where a lion eats bugs and becomes friends with a warthog and a meerkat. But again, a lion in the clouds is a little too far, guys. All right. This is where we draw the line. You know what it, it kind of reminds me of is in Scooby-Doo, uh, we can have a talking dog who rides in the van like a person, but we can't have real ghosts. No. No, not you at know. all. That's, that's a bridge too far. <laughs> all righty. Well, I think we've we've talked enough shit about the movie. Um, did you have a chop shop? I do, which, I mean, thankfully, as you're telling me, um, they just made the same movie and animated it in a different style, so my Chop Shop will still be applicable. Oh, absolutely, um, yeah. They did They did not build on it at all. So, 
here's here's my chop shop. So there's there's no doubt about it. As this movie tells it, the way Scar acquires power is messed up. I mean, not only are you going to orchestrate your brother's death, but when push comes to shove, you're actually going to shove him off a cliff and he's going to die. So you are a murderer. So oh, that scene is also way less powerful in the movie because um, he doesn't how? grab him by the claws and say like whisper in his ear and then throw him off. Um, basically, as Mufasa is trying to climb up, he just slaps him in the face and he falls down. Oh, really? We're going to do like the uh, the house cat pawing at something? Dude, it literally is the house cat pawing at somebody like it is. And the scene isn't as long. That's the other thing. I, I felt like I was watching and you didn't watch the one. I felt like I and I don't know if the animated one does this. I felt like I was watching the movie at like one and a half or two times speed. Like everything is going so quickly in the movie. You don't have time to process anything like it is just breakneck speed going through the movie. But, yeah, no, he uh, like I said, it basically um, he's like, Scar, help me, brother. And then he's like, long live the king, and just slaps him in the face, and he falls down. And that's that's about it. Yeah, in the animated version, it's so powerful because he grabs him. I mean, I, I guess as much as you can grab with a set of paws, but he grabs him into his, his front arms or legs or whatever. And, like, you hear Mufasa, like, scream in pain just at the talons or the claws being dug into his arms. And then, he, you know, whispers, long live the king and throws him off. So, the fact that they could fuck that up is is, ugh, is, is very suspect about the quality of the movie. Um, but again, so, no arguing that Scar was wrong for that. But let's just pretend all of that didn't happen. He just came to power and, and Simba exited the you know, pride rock and, and went off and, you know, ate bugs and grew up to be a man. So let's imagine though, uh, pick up the same way the movie does. He's hanging out with Spoon and Pumbaa. He's eating bugs. He's being a hippie. He's probably doing mushrooms and laying out in the field, looking at the stars. And Nala comes up, you know, same thing. He's, she's chasing the warthog, uh, they meet up, and, and she tells Simba, hey, you know, ever since you've been gone, things have gotten terrible. You know, Pride Rock's not the same. You know, things are just way different than they were under Mufasa. You need to come back. You need to take your rightful throne. Right, so that's the plot of Lion King, right? Okay, yep, yep. Now, I want you to imagine... Nala takes him back. Simba shows up to Pride Rock, and he notices... Gets his like, ass beat. <laughs> Well, he notices, like, wow, gas prices are reasonable. Um, oh, people are, are going to the doctor when they need to. They don't have to pay any sort of out-of-pocket. It's all just covered by taxes that they pay into it. There used to be a bunch of uh, billionaire elephants around. Uh, they've taxed the shit out of those elephants, and now those those elephants are just living closer to the, the median income of, of that society. But Nala, not, Nala's not having that. Okay, this is not the Pride Rock she grew up in. It's not the Pride Rock her grandparents grew up in. Mufasa's rolling over in his grave. Okay, what what's with all this fucking socialism? Let's call it what it is. It's fucking socialism. Okay, and Nala's yeah. not about that. What's the only way to overturn all of this? We well, got to make Pride Rock great again. Got to make Pride Rock great again. And who's the person to do it? The son of the former king. So she's going to bring him back 
and he's going to be the rightful king. He's going to overthrow Scar. So, because even though Scar's doing a great job, some would say, it's just he's spreading things out a little too much. So, well, But will Simba wind up being like a Manchurian candidate type situation? Because, I mean, he's he's got no life skills. He's got nothing to back him up. I mean, he's basically just been, by your account, a stoner lion living out, you know, in, a, in another country, in another faraway land, and now he's just being brought back. I mean, is this... Is, is the pride going to manipulate him once he is he rises to power? I mean, that doesn't... Listen, it doesn't matter that he's got any real skill, Brett. It's the name. He's trading on the name, okay? At, uh, Mufasa. He's the son of Mufasa. That's a billion-dollar brand. He doesn't have to have any actual ideas, all right? He just... He's got to be able to come in there and move on Pride Rock like it's a bitch, you know? That mm-hmm. kind of thing. Because uh, he's a star, and... He's the son of Mufasa, and when you're a star, it's only it's only right that you ascend to the throne. But here's the real question, and here's where I leave it to you to kind of be my Don Simpson to my Jerry Bruckheimer. What? How would you portray Simba? Does he see all of this and say, no, I'm not going to be a pawn? But as you pointed out, he really doesn't have the education to, to realize it, you know? So I just view it as a, a situation where Nala puts him into power, but Nala is really the new president. When we roll credits at the end, Simba's in office, he's proud, and she's kind of standing in the shadows like, hey, we're getting back to the status quo. I, this is how I you see the, the end of the movie, all right? We're going to echo it, you know, almost like what they do with, uh, you know, Simba's child being, you know, held up to, to show like the the new heir is born but as they do that they're going to pan back to simba smiling because his child is there and then it's going to zoom past him a little bit and in the shadows of pride rock you're just going to see nala and like a little grin across her face and it's just going to imply that possibly nala is going to follow the same track of scar and now she's going to have simba killed so that she can basically manipulate she can mold her child into who he needs to be without simba being there yes yes simba was just a tool to get to that point uh but that's not her end they just needed to continue the bloodline travis all right they don't they don't need simba in fact the the fact that simba has been in a faraway land he's already tainted all right he's already been stained he's not the pure lion they need him to be they, but they need that bloodline. That bloodline has power in it. So that's what it's going to come I down mean, to. Yes. I mean, like I said, it's still a brand. The, the son of Mufasa, the grandson of Mufasa, it's still a brand to trade on. So, yeah, basically, the Manchurian candidate, Lion King style. Okay. I can dig it. I can dig it. What about you? Did you have a name for it? Uh, I didn't. It sounds okay. like maybe you had no, an idea. No, no, not at all. I just I, I wanted to make oh. sure. I wanted to make sure we wrapped it. If there was a bow to put on it, I wanted to put the bow on it, Travis. I don't want to cut you off no, to start I mine. Mean, I, I mean, you, you set it up with three kings and a baby last week. That's going to be tough to top. <laughs> all right. So here's my chop chop, Travis. I want to restructure the beginning of the movie. All right. I told you in the new movie, they they put a little bit more emphasis on the hyenas, and and possibly the hyenas are actually like they're not just random. You know, they're they're a pack. There's a there's a hierarchy to the leadership of the hyenas. All right. 
Mm-hmm. So the beginning of the movie, uh, it starts actually instead of the the ceremony of Simba, it starts with Ka- Scar interacting with the hyenas, and it establishes that there's a relationship there. You know, they're both. They talk about you know they're both getting scraps. You know, they have that to identify them. You know, it, it gives them. It, there's a reason why they would unite. You know, so. You know, something uh, at some point, the the queen of the hyenas is going to mention something about the the heir being born is now going to to complicate the plan, and Scar is basically just going to be like, it won't complicate anything. And then we're going to transition directly to the current beginning of the movie with the ceremony. Right? Only difference is Scar is going to be there because, as you pointed out in the review, the fact that Scar doesn't show up makes him suspect. You know, he already hates the family. It it wouldn't. It's not hard to believe that he would try and do something to take over, right? So Scar right. is going to be at the ceremony for appearances. So I think it's a little more a little more intrigue between the two kingdoms. You know, these rival kingdoms of the hyenas and the lions. Um, when we're talking about the circle of life and the balance, Mufasa brings up. Uh, I think he needs to to mention the non pride lands, like and how basically the hyenas have have destroyed their lands because a hyena's belly is never full, right? They've basically just decimated, and they're they're just looking to spread and dominate and take out whatever they can. Um, and it brings more so, of a lesson yeah, into so- it, right? Yeah, I mean, the hyenas, there's some bad hombres over there. Mm-hmm. And even to that point, like, even just a, a philosophy to the hyena, like, just consumption, consumption, right? I feel like that's when they made the, that right. line in the new movie, it was all about consumption, right? At a certain point, you, you have to you have to allow things to grow so that more can be consumed. If you're just basically eating everything, everything dies, including yourself. So we keep the elephant graveyard scene. Oh, Take a step back. We don't do so because Scar is at the ceremony. We don't have the scene where Mufasa is talking like, "Hey, Scar, you didn't show up today, you dick." Um, that doesn't happen. So we keep the elephant graveyard. Scar's still going to influence Simba to go there, right? Because we still have to show that Scar he's manipulating. He's behind the scenes. You know, he's trying to take over. He's trying to he's trying to fuel Simba. He's thinking that's a good way to get him killed, right? Um, but Simba tells you know the whole scene still breaks out. But the difference is Simba does tell his dad that Scar is the one who told him about the elephant graveyard. And Mufasa, not being no dumb bitch, is going to be like, hmm, that's suspicious. Why would my brother tell his his nephew about the elephant graveyard? He knows how dangerous it is here. He knows he's a he's a child. You know what? 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 He, he's going to immediately want to come investigate this. Speaking of rotten bones and, and molten mud, I don't understand how that's like a something a child wants to see but that's nothing else that's something else so uh so mufasa that's when mufasa is gonna go and he's gonna confront scar right and at this point in the movie basically he's gonna tell him like i got my eyes on you it gives him a reason there's a little bit more tension between the two of them now you know because now mufasa is under the impression that scar could try and do something you know scar's always wanted to be king this this seems like he's putting a plan in motion uh zazu's always been telling him not to trust scar scar's got an issue you know with with the family so after the scar meets with the hyenas they talk about how long it's been taking you know at this point the hyenas have been waiting to you know that they thought they were going to be taken over by now but you know it's been years simba is maturing so scar puts says this is gonna be the final plan and we get the valley scene right this is the final act we're gonna wipe out two birds one stone two lions one water buffalo stampede Simba is exiled, thought dead, 
Again, keeping keeping elements of the movie. We get to the Akuna Matata. Again, everybody loves Akuna Matata. Can't take that out. What a wonderful phrase. Mm-hmm. At some point, Simba is going to be talking to Simone and Pumbaa as he's older. Uh, and he's going to talk about how he wants more. He's looking for more. Because again, this establishes now when Nala shows up and Rafiki shows up, Simba is already kind of gearing. He he knows he's destined for more. He's ready to leave a life of bugs and, you know, basically being a stoner. Like, he, he wants more. It's in his blood, you know? Gives the audience a reason to believe Simba would up and leave when Nala and Rafiki show up. Because, I mean, basically... His entire informative informative years, his life has been with Pumo, or Timon and Pumbaa, and he just like straight up up and leaves. He's like, "Ah, fuck it, I'm out of here." Right. So now, when he has the whole thing uh, with Nala and Fig, he he's ready. He's in a place where he knows he needs to leave. He needs to go and redeem his father's legacy. He needs to take it further. Right. Nala shows right. up. Simba finds out this is a little bit of a difference. Simba is actually going to find out his mother died being a resistance fighter to scar all right so there's no uh scene where scar's yelling at i forget his mother's name at pride rock she's dead all right and this is another motivator where now simba needs revenge all right he doesn't know his father died but he knows scar killed his mother so it's all these things building up to get simba to leave this life of leisure that he has you know so uh let's see when knowledge is up yeah uh so final battle is okay i'm I'm gonna keep you know i i don't yeah in the new movie i don't know if it does this in the animated classic but in the new movie basically they establish like one mufasa is worth like 20 hyenas so there's a big end battle at the end of uh of the new movie that makes no sense because i'm like all of these like lines should just be destroying these hyenas like it's not like the hyenas have massive numbers over them or something like that um but we'll have an end battle the rain is still good at the end a great metaphor you know for washing away and then rebirth and all that i i I can dig the the rain metaphor at the end but the instead of it uh the movie ending with uh, this continued idea of legacy um because the whole part of the movie is i think simba finding himself and deciding if he wants to follow his father's legacy you know this monarchy and all that because even at the beginning when he's a child he's talking about how he's going to be a different king so like the question is like he just winds up at the end it just seems like he winds up becoming Mufasa, right because the right. Be- end of the movie uh mirrors the, the beginning of the movie so the movie ends with the sun shining on simba Mufasa does some kind of voiceover um maybe from earlier in the movie where he talks about being a leader or something like that but it does not end with simba having a child that's because again i think it just winds up becoming now cyclical again um but instead what we wind up happening is just a movie where the end is optimistic to see where the future takes them but the future is not yet defined and that's the important part the future is not certain so my chop shop not necessarily funny this week but i just and maybe it's because I thought the movie was so bad, like it wasn't even fun to try and tear it up and make it funny. It's like I just it needs to be, it just needs to be made well first. Like if, it's not so bad like a B-rated movie where it's fun to tear apart. It's like it just it just wasn't. It's not good to me. It misses a lot of point. And even I understand it's a fucking child's movie, but there's still it still should have a a good story, you know? Because like you said, it's a child's movie. What the fuck are you telling children? You know? Yeah, I, I think at least, you know, watching the 1994 version and if the 2019 is almost a complete remake, it made me appreciate how far 
children's storytelling has come since uh, The Lion King was new. Um, I, I, one that jumps out to me just right offhand is something like Wall-E. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that's a movie that is, is aimed at children, but I think can be enjoyed legitimately by any adult that watched it. There is nothing, nothing on that level remotely about the lion king well, and i assume that the 2019 version is, is the same it's funny you say that because you know i feel the the main difference because i feel like most modern disney movies still kind of fall into that that um that bucket it's pixar pixar is the one that is trying to elevate children's storytelling and i know disney owns them but still it's the disney pixar movies that to me wind up having like a larger message than than you know a lot of the like just their traditional disney class the princess movies i guess you could say because that's almost what disney's just kind of fallen into is disney is is a is a princess movie and disney pixar is where they go with kind of their more you know elevating storytelling yeah no you're right i, I was trying to rack my brain to think about a purely Disney film that approached that, but all of the examples that were popping to my mind were all Pixar. Um, what was the movie they did in the last couple of years that dealt with like different emotions or something? Is um, that enough of a, so there was yeah, inside out, I think is what's there the name of that That's one. That's what I was thinking of. And yeah. even soul was the latest one that they came out with. Was it Disney Pixar? Yeah. So you're right. I, I think Pixar is the one that's it's really elevated uh you know children's filmmaking um but yeah when when that kind of stuff is out there and then you watch this it really makes the weaknesses just absolutely glaring well and that's the problem is like when you hear that there's going to be a lion king update you're thinking okay you're going to update it to today's times and standards right not do a shot for shot and all of the disney live action movies i felt this way is like they've it's like they just feel like cash. It doesn't feel like you're updating or modifying the story. Like I know in in Beauty and the Beast, they made one of the characters gay that wasn't originally gay to try and you know add some more depth to that. The Aladdin one was it was I think they tried to make um, was it Jasmine a little bit more of a stronger female character. And they gave her like a handmaiden that I think was also supposed to like help with that. But like they don't take it far enough. Like they still play it incredibly safe, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I mean, it, it, not from an artistic standpoint, no. but it's all about just protecting Ka-ching. the IP and making it as <laughs> profitable as possible. All right. Well, I think that's a beautiful transition, Travis, to our next favorite segment, Market Watch. So I'll ask you this. I ironically without knowing that we were going to watch different movies on accident i (laughs) did actually get the market watch data for both of these movies do you want to go over both of them uh you know might as well lean into my mistake as much as possible all right so the original 1994 version it is estimated do you want to guess how much you think that this the animated classic cost is this adjusted for inflation or what it actually cost? I don't believe so. I think this is what it actually cost. Okay, I'm going to say $38 million. Not, not a bad guess. $45 million. Okay, okay. Um, do you, you want to guess what the gross was? 
Um, I'm going to say $293 million. Four hundred, approximately four hundred twenty-three million. Ooh, okay. So it uh, it definitely made its money back. Do you want to guess what it was? <laughs> Cumulative worldwide. Oh gosh. Um, ooh, I'll say six hundred and seventy-five million. One billion. Oh. Eighty. Now. Three thousand. I- no. Eight, yeah, we'll just we'll say one billion over a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah, just over a billion I, dollars. I wonder if that's also counting like physical media sales from '94 till now, because God, that seems outrageous. I, I'm to gonna be s- just a true theatrical run. I don't know. It it was one billion eighty three million seven hundred twenty thousand eight hundred seventy seven dollars. On a forty-five million dollar budget. On a forty, which I guess you can imagine why Disney was like, "Yeah, let's go ahead and make a live-action animated version of this movie." All right. Which is a great segue into you giving the numbers on the updated one, because I will guarantee the profit margins were not close to that. So the budget. You want to guess what the budget for the CGI one was? Uh, I'm gonna say. 102 million. Uh, it was 260 million dollars. Holy shit! Okay. All right. Do you want to wow. do you want to guess how much it made in the U.S. In the U.S. So 2019, we we were not dealing with COVID in 2019. This this movie was in theaters, and it came out in and, July. So it was. And this is it, it had its full run. Gross, domestic gross. Not. Not the opening weekend, the full yep. U.S. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll say four hundred and three million. Not bad. Five hundred forty-three million six hundred thirty-eight thousand forty-three dollars. Now, do you want to guess what the cumulative world was of the twenty nineteen? realistic cgi animated version of the lion king i'll say 791 million uh no it actually broke the original 1 billion 670 million 719 thousand 887 dollars but to your point i do believe the margin the animated classic still had a better margin and uh i do not think that it uh, accounts for inflation yeah, because I mean, if you're telling me a ninety uh, a nineteen ninety four billion dollars is a way different mm-hmm. amount of money than a twenty twenty one, so yeah, I mean, I guess Disney ultimately got what they wanted because it was so profitable. But I, you're just, I look forward to actually watching the movie, not because I think I'll enjoy a single second of it, but I'll just be very curious if watching it if I see two hundred million dollars on the screen because I, I don't think I will. Alrighty, so are you uh, <laughs> you ready for some taglines? Yes, and I'm wondering if you're going to have 1994 taglines in here, which will make it a, an extra level of intrigue. We'll find out.
All right, so your taglines are Be prepared. The greatest adventure of all is finding our place in the circle of life and return to the pride lands. Those are your, your three taglines for the 2019 version of The Lion King. I think return to the pride lands is the tagline. Uh, you think that's the, the tagline? I think so because it, it, it just trades on the nostalgia that this movie is counting on. Uh, at least the movie that you watched. That was the one I wrote 30 seconds ago because I realized I forgot to write a tagline. <laughs> <laughs> well, great job because yeah, you knew that I would I would bite on that nostalgia. <laughs> so uh, I will I will take a, a a little bash on this one because the original two taglines were "Be prepared" and the king has returned so i just kind of did a playoff of the king has returned to return to the pride lands so i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a little bit on that one because there that was close to the original tagline and then yes the greatest adventure of all uh is finding our place in the circle of life was an original tagline to the 94 version as well as the circle of life which if i'm honest neither makes any sense to the context of this movie because this movie really to me has nothing to do with the circle of life it has to do with uh bloodlines and uh ruling yeah, i was born rich basically <laughs> yeah is what like, this movie says oh uh, yeah i i would vote that this movie has almost nothing to do with the, like it's a great like the concept the circle of life but it has almost nothing to do with with aside from a quick line from mufasa talking about how lions eat gazelles and then they die and gazelles eat the grass that come from their bodies that's it <laughs> Which I, I'm glad that that part made the the remake because yeah the the lip service given to like well you know one day we'll die and we'll decompose and and the antelopes will eat the grass that's why we eat them fucking alive that's why we chase them down and fucking murder them by ripping out their throats but hey eventually we'll die and they'll eat some grass so it's okay <laughs> when they're gone they can have our scraps or when we're gone they can have our scraps. <laughs> Also, I just want to say the tagline, um, basically, the, the, one of the actual ones for this movie kind of just sounds like uh, the real adventure were the friends we made along the way. Yeah. Like, very much the same generic vibes. For sure, for sure. So what I did think was funny uh, is the Be Prepared tagline for the 2019 remake. A, Again, don't think it makes a whole lot of fucking sense. It is playing off of the nostalgia. But the interesting thing about that is Disney originally wanted to take that music, like the musical segment out because it is like feels very Nazi, um, which to me, that's honestly I'm fine with because it is the right like frame of reference for Nazis. Like they're villains. It's terrible. They're not good. Like we can't erase Nazis from history. We need to make sure people remember that they're terrible, awful fucking people. So um i didn't have all that but disney was uh didn't like the the nazi undertones of that song plus the actor who plays scar in 2019 could not sing did not have the chops for singing either so they basically it's almost like a like a beatneck poem like him just kind of reciting some of the lyrics from that while they played part of the tune in the background of be prepared in in the remake like that whole that whole musical gets completely shredded which is unfortunate because 
at least in the animated movie, that's the only time I ever took Scar seriously as a villain because he seemed so impotent and passive-aggressive the rest of the time. Mm -hmm. That was the one time where I was like, okay, he seems like an imposing, worthy adversary to this kingdom. And if you're neutering that, then he just really kind of becomes a limp noodle sort of villain, at least in my opinion. Yeah. And like I said, for him to talk about how smart he was, his first plan was to get Simba and Nala eaten by the hyenas in the elephant graveyard, which didn't work. Um, His next plan was to have Mufasa and Simba killed in the valley, which only half worked. Um, and then when he's trying to talk Simba out of, like, sympathizing with him, he doesn't realize the hyenas are within earshot of him. Like, he's not really that tactically savvy. Like, he's he's really not a mastermind in this movie, and that's supposed to be his thing, is he's the cunning mastermind. I'm like, no, he's just an asshole, is, is, is what he is. <laughs> right. Now, to my point earlier, it's like, if he's, he's the less successful brother that at every dinner party has a few too many glasses of wine and starts complaining about, you know, how he, you know, if he had the same opportunities, he would be just as successful as his brother kind of thing. So... It, it it always kind of bothers me. Again, it's a kids movie, I know, but how nobody seems to notice that this guy's going to be a problem. It, it it's just odd to me. Like you would think, if anything, if the 2019 version had an opportunity to do anything, it was to make Scar a more relatable or at least uh, an equal to Mufasa, like a you know a, f- a flip side of the same coin. Um, but it sounds like they didn't accomplish that at all, and it's just the same kind of weak, sniveling, conniving, not that intelligent villain. Yeah, and it's, even if, like, Mufasa had some one-off line about, like, he promised their father he'd look after Scar or something, like, something to define why Mufasa, aside from the fact that, oh, he's, he's family, you have to look after him, like, really? Because that's not his flaw. His philosophy is that he can throw you to the wildebeests, and it's not a big deal. Yeah, and and I don't know if this minute detail made the remake, but in the 1994 version, one of the first scenes that we meet Scar, he's got like a little mouse. Mm -hmm. uh, He's kind of he's toying with the mouse. Is that scene in the 2019 version? It is. But once again, because they did not make them like anthropomorphic like lions where they can't use like their hands as hands. The whole scene is like it doesn't he's not toying with the mouse like he is in that movie. Like he doesn't feel sinister or is or imposing. He just sounds sad. Well, and I only bring it up because in the 1994 version, ultimately, uh, he gets interrupted in the process of that and the mouse gets away and the movie kind of is telling you right off rip that he's not going to be successful in anything that he tries. Like, he, he can pretend like he's got the upper hand and he's toying with the mouse, but ultimately he fails in capturing it. And it's just interesting to look at over the course of the movie, like you said, nothing he tries ever works, down to he can't even kill a mouse. Yep. So, it's, a. Uh... Or even to that point, like, the, the weird thing where, like, clearly Scar completely destroyed the Pride Lands... But yet, no, there was never an uprising against him. Like, oh, she's the king. We gotta follow the king. And it's like, what? Like, he literally destroyed everything. Like, you easily could have just taken him down. And even the whole idea, like, well, he has a hyena army. I'm like, 
the problem is that we've already established that the lions are more powerful than the hyenas. Like, it's just, again, it's so, it's so bizarre to me. And one last thing I'll kind of leave on before we leave is like the the other problems, and I, I don't know if the animated version has this, but the the new version definitely like it has a lot of scenes that aren't earned, like moments that aren't earned, but they throw in there. Like basically when the scene ends, it has, uh, you know, when Simba's child is held up at the end, it pans over and like Pumbaa is standing there and all of a sudden a baby warthog runs up from behind Pumbaa and you're like, where the fuck did this go? Like, why does he have a baby? Like, who was the other warthog? Like, when the fuck did all of this happen? Like, there's... And it's just like, why did they put that in the movie? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, it's not earned. You're just like, is it literally just for like, oh, look, he's got a baby. Like, I don't... Again, I I did not realize well, especially how much I hated this movie. I don't remember that part of the 1994 version. No. And... It's weird if you're making a movie that's photorealistic. It's not even like, oh, hey, this is like – we can have a baby warthog be baby Groot or BB-8 and we can sell a bunch of toys. But if you just make it look like a warthog, it's like kids aren't going to get behind that. That's It's not a character. You're just looking at an, a young version of an animal. Mm-hmm. You know, So it's just weird. Like even – the fact that this movie was still profitable, even though I, I don't think that there would be a lot of merchandise tie-in. I mean, I know Disney's for not the original have, or for the remake. For the remake. Oh yeah, I don't remember a lot of merchandise for the for the remake. Yeah, and I mean, I know that you know we're not the demographic for it, so we wouldn't necessarily notice it. But it just doesn't feel like you know. I, I love a lot of the you know. Uh, nature documentaries, BBC, you know, Planet Earth, but there's never a time where I'm like, ooh, I would love to have a plush of that particular animal. Mm -hmm. um, so on that side of things, yeah, I, that's why remaking this movie, I just was a little bit confused about if they're not going to do anything different because you're just making the same movie, but you're not going to really be able to sell the toys. I don't know. They, I, I don't know why this movie exists in, at the end of the day. Uh, well, I think the market watch proved why this movie exists <laughs> because a lot of people went and fucking saw it. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't I don't know, like the Jungle Book remake, I was a little more OK with because at least you it's like you could tell me, hey, we're going to have a person interacting with animals. So it makes sense why we would animate this. But when you have no human character, I, I don't get the point of oh it's a live action but like you said the point is the cash register i have honestly hated every single one of the disney live action remakes i have not seen a good one yet yeah and i i don't think we ever will just because it's it's all about protecting the ip and don't do anything damaging to it because hey in 30 years we can just remake it again and have some sort of new marketing angle on it yeah well it'll be the animated version of the live action movie yeah, it, it's just a snake eating its tail at this point, uh, as, as long as people will show up and pay the money. Yeah, so I know we didn't officially announce the segment, but I think people should pretty much be able to pick up. Um, from the 2019 version, uh, avoid it at all costs. I don't think it is worth watching. I would def If you're going to watch one of them, I still think that the 1994 holds true. Um, granted, I haven't seen it in a while, but I, I think there is no no reason to watch the 2019 version of this movie yeah agree 
you know, I'll speak to the 1994 version uh, because that's the one I watched. Um, I don't think the only thing it has going for it are a few charming moments of animation. The dialogue is just nails on a chalkboard. Uh, nothing <laughs> is earned. Uh, you know, Simba is just a character who happened to be born to someone important. He's nothing more than that. Um, so yeah, any of the charm is lost if you try to do a photo realistic version of this. Uh, so I cannot, and, and I'll, I'll find out because I will watch it for our wrap up show, but I cannot imagine. And you're telling me that it's even longer than the animated version the, or I guess the, the 1994 version. It clocks in at about an hour and a half and the CGI realistic one clocks in at two hours. And like I said, I don't know if it is the credits are expanded, but I watching the movie, I'm like, I don't know where they crammed another 30 minutes into this movie, but they probably could have left it out. I mean, speaking of crammed in, I mean, the, the hour and a half animated version, I mean, like a 12-inch dildo, I felt every single minute of that runtime. So if you're telling me that you're going to add another 30 minutes to that and it's still the same content, uh, again, I will watch it because I was supposed to already, but man, I'm not going to enjoy a second of it. Yeah, no, yeah, buckle in. So Just like the 12-inch dildo. Yeah. You mean strap it on. Yeah, hope, hopefully you'll have a rainy day because if not, you're going to feel bad for anything you didn't get to do uh, while you uh, while you watch it. Yeah, I, well, let's play a fun game, Brett. Let's when we do the recap episode, try to tell if I actually watched it or if I'm just trying to regurgitate information based on the 1994 one. We'll play that game. Cool. All right. I can. Uh, there's a couple scenes that, that changed enough for that. I'll, I'll be able to quiz you on. Fair enough. Look forward to that audience. Uh, but yeah, in a nutshell, uh, would I own this? No. In fact, I'm going to cancel Disney Plus after we get done recording because Jesus. I watched the 1994 version. Uh, so yeah, after I watched the 2019, cancel Disney Plus. Uh, can't have everything. Yeah. But Kenobi. Nah, who am I kidding? I'll, I'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> You'll you'll cancel for a day just to prove a point. When, when it asks why, you just put 2019 Lion King. <laughs> You're going to feel the loss of 1299 at least for one month, Mickey. Can you feel the hate tonight? <laughs> All right. With that terrible, terrible song, my version, not the original Elton John version, um, I think we'll call it. Thank you all for coming and listening to us, bitch about two different movies uh this week yeah next week is uh king of staten island so i will try to get creative and figure out what i'll watch instead of the actual <laughs> movie we're supposed to review uh bye see ya feeling entitled to the throne Nope, already fucked it up. The frown. What's a frown, Travis? Can you tell me that?